Sales Enablement Society, Stories from the Trenches, where enablement practitioners share their real-world experiences. Get the scoop on what's happening inside sales enablement teams across the global SES member community. Each segment of Stories from the Trenches share the good, the bad, and the ugly practices of corporate sales enablement initiatives. Learn what worked, what didn't work, and how obstacles were eliminated by corporate teams and leadership. Sit back, grab a cold one, and join host Paul Butterfield, Vice President of Sales Enablement at Instructure, for casual conversations about the wide and varied profession of sales enablement, where there is never a one-size-fits-all solution. Hi. Welcome back to Stories from the Trenches, the Sales Enablement Society podcast where we get together with people that do what we all do every day, but talk about the different things that we're working on, how we're solving them, and hopefully learn from one another. I'm excited this time to introduce you to Cynthia Barnes. A little bit about Cynthia. She is the founder and CEO of the National Association of Women's Sales Professionals. In her career, has been a consistent top 1% corporate producer and sales leader. And her personal motto I love, it's I'm in it to win it. So welcome, Cynthia. Tell us a little bit about yourself and the work you're doing. Hey, thank you so much for having me. I've been looking forward to this for quite a while, and I'm excited to be here. As you said, I'm Cynthia Barnes, founder and CEO of the National Association of Women's Sales Professionals. We are a member-based organization of 15,000 women who sell B2B services in male-dominated industries. We have two goals. One is to provide our members with a network to live their best lives, connect with employers who are laser-focused on advancing women in sales. And then we also provide our members with sales training created by women for women to reach the top 1%. All right. There's a lot to unpack there. So thank you for joining us. Let's dive into it. But I'm going to still start with an icebreaker question. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. You just were given your own late night talk show on one of the major networks. Who is your first guest and why? Wow. It would have to be Oprah. I am just enamored with her challenges. She's overcome great challenges and she is who I aspire to be like. So it would have to be Oprah Winfrey. All right. Let's talk about your work a little bit. Right now, sure. with, with what you're doing, and the world is in such flux uh, in, in a lot of ways, what's the biggest challenge that you're working on right now and how you're overcoming it? Can we talk about that? Yes. Well, with COVID um, happening, um, it, it's caused us to pivot drastically and quickly. At NAWSP, we have 120 events across the nation per year and over in Europe. And with COVID, we had to stop them abruptly. So the biggest challenge that I have right now is pivoting to online or virtual events. And fortunately, we've got a leadership team and chapter leaders who are as committed to our cause and our mission as I am. So the transition, the pivot has been as painless as possible. And another challenge that we have is our women in sales training is normally delivered in person. And now we are pivoting to creating it virtually for our sponsor companies. Okay. And, and you mentioned there, and I think you mentioned in, in, when you introduced yourself, you know, about the, the women, the, the sales training for women in sales. What's the biggest surprise that you've had in the last few months and why? 
the biggest surprise is that I thought that companies would be laying off training because they're focused on other areas. But we've actually had an uptick of companies reaching out to us saying, we are now recognizing that women sell differently. They have unique challenges that have to be overcome, and they have innate strengths that need to be amplified. Cynthia, can we get your training for our women in sales? That's been the biggest surprise is the uptick in companies asking for the training because when we first started offering women in sales training, there was resistance like you wouldn't believe. There were companies saying, well, we've got our own sales training and it's, it's just fine. The traditional sales approaches are just fine. And now companies are warming up to the idea that, yes, difference is good. What do you think the breakthrough, the tipping point that caused that to happen where they're now coming to you? I think it's our women, our members saying traditional sales approaches are just fine because a lot of women got to the top with those. This is an and economy, not an or economy. So why don't we look at this training in addition to traditional sales approaches? So the women were actually going to their companies saying, why don't we have this? Okay. So you mentioned that the actual training and then uh, that women learn differently and women sell differently. Did I get that right? Yeah. So let's start with the learning differently. Our audience for this podcast is creating sales training every day. I don't know how many of them really have the insight into that. To be honest, when you and I first met and we were talking, I immediately started learning things. So what did they need to know, Cynthia, to help do a better job of delivering that? I think the first thing is to realize where women's strengths are versus men. And again, different is not necessarily bad. When you can tailor your training to make sure that everybody is learning the concepts and learning how to apply them the same, it benefits everyone. Also, what we do at NAWSP is we take into account the differences in the way women learn and the differences of what women need to learn to reach the top 1%. And it's not the same as men. Can you elaborate a little bit? I think people would really like to hear a little bit about that. I'm sure I could. However, then I would lose my positioning. (laughs) That's true. So then you also talked about how women sell differently. What would you want us to know about that? I think that there's a lot of focus on building relationships for women and for, for sales training. And I think if I had one thing to say to everyone out there is, Women don't need in-depth training on building relationships because we do that naturally. We are nurturers. We are empathetic. So to spend an eight-hour day on building relationships is a waste of time to to teach women. There are other things that could be taught Mm -hmm. instead of building relationships. So that's one thing I would say. All right, great. If you had a bottomless budget, what would you do with it and why? Wow, I would create even more training. So now we have training for women in sales. We have training for sales leaders who manage women. Um, I would come up with even more training for diversity, equity, and inclusion and belonging to help those companies create the environment where women stick and stay. There's a lot of talk 
and it needs to be, it's a good thing, about diversity and inclusion. When you think about that, and whether that's, you know, not specific to women or not, I, I'm just curious, what does that look like to you? If a, if a company is diverse and they're inclusive and it's not just a program, but th- that everyone feels that and feels welcome, I would just love your, your yeah. opinion on what, what does that look like? Well, I'll start with an analogy. Mm-hmm. If you have a diversity, equity, and inclusion program, it's like inviting a, an underrepresented population to the table and not having giving them anything to eat. So a lot of companies are, are focused on, yes, we want to attract these underrepresented um, populations, so we will invite them into our company, and that's where it stops. So a robust DE&I program actually creates a sense of belonging. For example, if I am an underrepresented population and I join your company, but yet I have to assimilate to your culture, am I really feeling or am I invited to belong? That's the difference between diversity and belonging. And a lot of companies miss the boat on that. All right. I, that, that's, that's helpful. When you talk about the diversity and inclusion, there's a lot of um, world events. People are talking more about the uh, racial equity. You know, one of the things you're so focused on is, is women. How does that play out? So we talked a little bit about that, you know, learn differently, sell differently, but just in general, corporate culture, should a diversity committee and inclusion committee be thinking about women differently as well? Just curious. Absolutely. Because diversity is not limited to one demographic. Diversity is not black. It's not Asian. It's not Latin, um, Latinx. It's not um, women. It's diversity of thought that you're looking for. And diversity of thought is followed by diversity of demographics. So when companies want to include diversity, they've got to have a multifaceted approach. Yes, women in sales are a hot commodity. 78% of Fortune 500 companies are trying to increase the number of women in their companies. Sales is normally the largest department, so it behooves them and makes sense to go the most expedient way, which is to attract women in sales. But they can't forget about the other underrepresented demographics that they need to attract as well. Okay. When you look back over the last year, how have you been continuing to learn, to stay on top of things within your role and within the changing world that we all live in? I am a voracious reader. So there are blogs that I read. There are thought leaders that I follow. I read anywhere between an hour and two per day of things that enrich my experience as well as open my eyes to new ways of looking at things. So that's what I do. I I read a lot. Okay. Any particular blog um, or thought leader stand out that you'd recommend? I like Dory Clark. She's my favorite right now. I'm reading everything that she puts out, taking every course that she's ever done. Yeah, I've kind of like got a thought leader crush on her. She hits it. She nails it. And um, she hasn't steered me wrong yet. I like that term, thought leader crush. Yeah. There's a gentleman that I, you may even know. He's, he's been very uh, much a thought leader in the sales enablement space for 20 years now, Roderick Jefferson. 
And I never thought yeah. about it. I've learned so much from his writings and his podcasts and all the things he's done over the year, but I never thought of it as a crush before. But it's kind of funny. <laughs> I guess that's what it is. Yeah. Um, I mean, one of the biggest things that, amazing. that I learned from him that you, you might be interested in is you don't train humans. You train animals. You enable humans. Yeah. And, and that's really influenced yeah. how I've looked at sales enablement, you know, from when I transitioned out of sales leadership into doing it. So somebody uh, mm-hmm. you might be interested in following as well. So, yes, what, um, we're connected. Oh, you are fantastic. Yeah. So then, I, you, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. What's been the biggest um, failure for you over the, the last year? And, and, you know, what did you learn from it? And why do you think it happened? I think the biggest failure was when COVID hit. We wanted to do things the same way that we had before COVID. And when you're unfocused or when you have a lack of clarity on something brand new, such as the the COVID environment, if you're not focused, like laser focused, distractions can pose themselves or present themselves as opportunities. So a lot of times I was saying, oh, that looks like a good idea. Let's try that. Let's implement that without going back to the plan of what is it that we are here to do. So the biggest failure I had, and I also use failure as a learning opportunity, is it was an opportunity to tighten my clarity, to to remain laser focused on what it is that NAWSP does and say, not yet instead of no to those opportunities, i.e. distractions, and put them on the table for later, like put a pin in them for later. I really like that, that distractions can look like opportunities. What way have you found that you can successfully do that triage that maybe the rest of us could use? I have a board of directors, an advisory board that is top-notch. The chairwoman of the board, her name is Jackie Anderson, and I are in sync. So whenever I have a great idea and I think, oh, this is going to be fabulous, it's going to shake the industry, and I run it by her. And she either says, yes, that's a great idea. Nine times out of ten, though, she'll direct me back to our mission and our plan for 2021 and say, how does this fit with our plan? And that helps me stay focused, rounded, and crystal clear. I would agree with that. So it's important. Yeah. Yeah. You've got to have your tribe. You've got to have your tribe to rein you in mm-hmm. and sometimes keep you on the ledge <laughs> <laughs> and talk you off the ledge. Talk you off the ledge. Yeah. No, you're, you're, yeah, abs- yeah. you're absolutely right. I mean, we all have our own you know, biases and things like that, even, even as we try to get better about them. And sometimes you just need somebody else's who's looking in and, and, and getting their opinion yeah. uh, getting their view. Cause it's just, yeah. yeah. What's the biggest area related to, to what you're doing now, your role, um, that you are curious about and, and, and why, why are you chasing that? I am curious about sales leaders that are thriving in 2020, with all that's going on right now, those women and sales leaders who are getting it done. So we are hosting, and because I'm naturally curious about what they're doing, I 
we're starting a series in August about women sales leaders getting it done. And it stemmed from only 11% of sales leaders are women. So to be an underrepresented minority in that field, I want to know what are they doing to get it done? And on the flip side, our members can then look at those sales leaders and say, if she is successful, I'm going to emulate her because success leaves clues. And I also, if I can see it, I can be it. So that's what I'm curious about right now is how female sales leaders are getting it done in COVID and in 2020. We didn't talk about this before, but you just triggered a question in my mind. The women sales leaders, how they're getting it done. Do you think, uh, just your opinion, that women sales leaders are adapting to the COVID world differently or better than their male counterparts or just? I can't really say that they're doing it better, although they are kicking butt. I will say that they are doing it differently because one of the strengths that women have is their ability to have a growth mindset. So in a fixed mindset, it's it's thinking that all of your success and your intelligence, you're born with it and then it can't be changed. Women have the natural ability and the natural affinity for the growth mindset that says, if it's not perfect, we're going to keep working and my success is up to me, which leads to how do I get this done regardless of the circumstances that are surrounding me? So different, not necessarily better. All right. I'm just, I'm, I'm processing because this is really, this is really good stuff. In addition to the work that you're doing on that, what other things uh, as an organization or, or you personally are, are you researching right now? I mean, maybe it's things that are going to be, you know, in early development. I don't want to give away any secrets, but just in general, I want to give you a chance to talk a little bit more about the work that NAWSP is doing. Yes. We're running a series on um, emotional intelligence. So within the NAWSP tribe, we also have master classes on things such as how to master. LinkedIn Sales Navigator. Um, there's emotional intelligence and emotional um, advantage series that we're running. Um, let's see. So those are the two big things, mastering LinkedIn Sales Navigator mm-hmm. and emotional intelligence, because those are, in, especially in this climate, that you can be reactionary or you can be proactive. And I want to teach our women that they already have what they need to succeed. Don't let the distractions of the external world rule where your focus is. Yes, it's a factor, but it's a manageable factor. And let's overcome it. And here's how. The LinkedIn Sales Navigator uh, got my attention. That's something that social selling and using Navigator is the keystone. That is something that I've uh, you know, rolled out and, and, and driven at, at a couple of companies. Do women use Sales Navigator differently? Um, maybe differently is not the right word, but but that's, that's just what got my attention that you guys focus on that. Not necessarily. Okay. Not necessarily differently. Mm-hmm. One thing that we're focusing on is the messaging that is authentic to them because there's a lot of scripting out there on what you should say okay. in your connection requests and your lead generation and engagement and things like that. Okay. We want to say, 
here's the end result. And here's how you think critically about what you want to accomplish and how you want to say it so that you can create your own script that is authentic to you. That's great. It seems like that's, in my experience, at least just in, 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 in teaching and developing salespeople when I was a sales leader and, and now is in, in general, how to take what has been given, uh, whether it's a pitch deck or, or similar thing and understand the why mm-hmm. behind it and then be able to make yeah. your own best version of it as opposed to just kind yeah. of memorizing or cutting and pasting, which is easy, but not authentic. Is that kind sure. of what you're saying? Not okay. authentic. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. One of the things that, that I love to, to uh, go, go out on with guests is give them a few minutes to talk about a retrospective. Right now, what, what do you think the, the biggest one or two things are that, that you, you understand that have um, you know, helped you get to where you are today that you wish you could go back and tell a young Cynthia about? Oh, if I could go back to young Cynthia... I would tell her, I would, I would take her shoulders and lovingly look at her and say, with all the firmness and love that I could, stop and don't think so small. Don't let society, your bosses, your peers, dictate how big you think. Don't compare yourself to other people's success Look at what is possible and you determine your goals, not others. That's what I would tell her. That's great advice. Thanks. Anything else you want to share before we wrap up? Along that same line, um, Edmund Bakeba always says that nothing ever good comes from thinking small. He kind of paraphrased Marianne Williamson. And then he went on further to say, that you can never reach your full destiny by thinking small. And one of the greatest stories I ever heard was somebody said, when you get to the pearly gates and you're talking with St. Peter, Cynthia, he's going to tell you that you've done well because you've accomplished a lot of things. But then he's going to pull back the curtain and say, here is what the heavens had planned for you. So the question is, for everyone out there listening, where are you today? And how does it measure to what the heavens had planned for you and reaching the pinnacle of your success, which leads me back to stop thinking so small. I love that. Thank you so much for your time uh, that you spent with us today. And to our listeners out there, uh, we've been speaking with Cynthia Barnes, who is the founder and CEO of the National Association of Women Sales Professionals. Please stay tuned for our ongoing series. You can subscribe to us on Apple, Google, and Spotify, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for joining this episode of Stories from the Trenches. For more sales enablement resources, be sure to join the Sales Enablement Society at www.sesociety.org. That's www.sesocietty.org. 